I'm never beginning my message, so if you're timing my message, then it starts now. That was all normal. Get everybody into the, the giving mood. But one sign that Christmas is here is the appearance of Salvation Army kettles and bell ringers in our grocery stores and in our malls. And the Salvation Army does an amazing ministry. It's both a church and a charity. And they do an amazing amount of work each year to help those who are in need. But they're actually going through some difficult times. They're having, actually, a tough time being allowed to go into certain stores or be in front of them. And then they're also having trouble finding enough volunteers. So I was reading that in some parts of the U.S., they're actually making cardboard cutouts of people and placing them in front of the kettle. And they have an animatronic bell that still rings, and they're hoping that they can still raise money. Now, I don't know how well that is going to work. For the sake of those that they're trying to serve, one would hope that that strategy is one that's effective for them. But I have a funny feeling that people aren't going to give to a cardboard cutout. That people tend to give when they see a real live person. When they know it's someone that has taken time out of their busy schedule to be there and to volunteer to raise money for those people. So I hope that their donations don't drop off. As we approach Christmas this year, we realize that there actually is a danger of the church becoming cardboard Christians. In literary analysis, a cardboard character is bland and boring and does nothing to distinguish itself from any other character. It just kind of blends in and goes unnoticed. And you know something, there is a danger of people becoming cardboard or carbon copy Christians, where we just kind of blend into our environment. We don't look any different than the people of the world. We don't act any different. We sound the same. And maybe sometimes we try too hard to be like those in our culture. So is there anything to distinguish us, to make us stand out from the crowd? Well, at HCC this year, we're going to do some things that are going to make us stand out from the crowd. And in reading the material that James found on this idea, they said that what has happened is that Christmas has become a consumer-centered orgy of materialism and self-indulgence. And we're going to refocus on Jesus and His purpose for coming, which was to bring salvation. And the real gift that He expects and that is our faith in Him and our willingness to give to others. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's telling them how they can stand out in the world. How they can be different from the world. How they can be set apart. And in fact, he says that there are three things that should make Christians stand out in the world. And the first one is the fact that by the grace of God, we have been sanctified. Now in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 to 3, from Paul, chosen by God, to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from Sosthenes, who is also a follower, to God's church in Corinth, Christ Jesus chose you to be His very own people, and you worship in His name. 
as we and all others do who call him Lord. My prayer is that God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ will be kind to you and will bless you with peace. So Paul's expecting the people in this church to stand out and be different from the culture that they're in. And in the New International Translation, he refers to them as the Church of God. And the reason for that is that back in the Greek culture, the word for church is ekklesia, which actually means assembly. So back in those days, if someone said that they were going to church, it, it could mean anything. It, it could be a civic assembly, it could be a political assembly, it could be going to meet with those of some other religion. It had no meaning whatsoever. Whereas in our day, when someone says, I'm going to church, you know, they're either going to a worship service, or maybe a Bible study, or maybe to meet with some people for prayer. But it's something to do with Christianity. But back then, it didn't. So Paul decides he's going to do something that will enable these people to be distinguished from everyone else. So they are referred to as the Church of God. That's what they were to be uniquely known as. So what made them the Church of God? What makes us the Church of God? But first of all, Paul says we're called by God, called to be His people, called to be a part of His kingdom, called to be one of His followers. And that means that we're holy. And when we use that word holy, that doesn't mean that Greg Nicholson thinks he's a little better than everybody else, or the holier-than-thou phrase that some of you my age may have heard, you younger ones may have never heard it. But that's not what holy means. Holy means that we're set apart, that we're different from the people in this world. That means that we're going to stand out. We're going to have some characteristics in our lives that make us recognizable. We accept Christ's invitation to be one of His people by accepting Christ Himself. And when we accept Christ, we are cleansed by Him. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and the fact that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross as a sacrifice for us, and that he rose again on the third day, just as he said he would, that word sanctified comes into play, because we are now made holy. And basically, he has enabled us to be what he has called us to be, when he said, call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We accept Him. We are now cleansed by Him. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 9. And if you were here a few weeks ago, you'll remember this ninth verse. But if we live in the light, as God does, we share in life with each other. And the blood of His Son Jesus washes all our sins away. But if we confess our sins to God, he can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. And that was one of our highlightable services. But if we confess our sins to God, He can always be trusted to take our sins away, to forgive us. Christmas is a special time of year. It's all about the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth. And that 2,016 years ago, as a little baby, He came in order to call us to salvation and cleanse us from sin. So as Christians, we're made alive by faith in Jesus Christ. That means we should stand out from others. 
That means what we live isn't an artificial life, it's a real life to be experienced through the saving power of Christ. So in response to that, we're going to stand out this Christmas because we want to focus on Jesus. We want to refocus on the purpose for His coming, which was to bring salvation. And we want to refocus on the birthday gift that He truly desires. And that's us. It's our faith. The second thing Paul tells us is that we've been supplemented. That even after we come to Christ, even after we've been made holy, we need help in order to maintain that holiness. So in verses 4 to 6 of 1 Corinthians 1, I never stop thanking my God for being kind enough to give you Christ Jesus, who helps you speak and understand so well. Now you are certain that everything we told you about our Lord Jesus Christ is true. So it's only by having our spiritual diet supplemented by Jesus Christ that we are able to live this life. And back when I was in high school, I befriended this guy who, he was a little odd, and that was partly because his hair was this length. He was the only one in our class that didn't have long hair. His graduation pictures actually look good today. The rest of us just look kind of strange. But he, uh, he got into weightlifting, and he talked me into it, so we started doing some weightlifting. I, I bought my own set of weights. I bought a bench. And then he says, Greg, you know something? We could buy this sausage. It's a supplement that will help our muscles to grow in an even greater way. So I go in on this stuff, not really sure what it was. It tasted terrible. And I didn't even finish maybe two cans of it because of that. And my grandmother was asking me, like, Gregory, what's that stuff? And I said, well, that's something that I'll take that will help my muscles grow. Oh, you don't want to be all lumpy like, like those wrestlers that you see on TV. Just leave that stuff alone. Well, I don't know whether it was her or just the fact that it tasted awful, but I didn't continue to take that. And I don't know if it would have been any benefit to me at all. And Kijiji didn't exist back then. I had no way of quickly selling it, so it just sat in the closet for months on end. But there are people that take daily vitamin supplements in order to maintain optimal physical health. And we see two key areas in which Christians actually need to be supplemented or enriched. And the first thing we noticed with these Corinthians was in regards to their speaking. That they had been given the ability by God to effectively proclaim God's word to the world. Now that doesn't mean that every single believer in Corinth was an excellent public speaker, but rather that the church as a whole was blessed with those who had the ability to share God's word. And this special gift doesn't necessarily have anything to do with eloquence, because in the next chapter, Paul talks about his own speaking ministry in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. When I talked with you, or preached, I didn't try to prove anything by sounding wise. I simply let God's Spirit show His power. That way, you would have faith because of God's power and not because of human wisdom. And here is what some in Corinth actually said about Paul and his speaking ability in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. Some of you are saying, Paul's letters are harsh and powerful, but in person, he is a weakling 
and has nothing worth saying. So here was Paul who had this amazing influence on people, but apparently his speaking ability wasn't that great, but it was supplemented by the Spirit of God. The eloquence doesn't really matter. Their teaching may have been wise and persuasive, and it may not. It might have been enriched. It may or may not. We, but it was supplemented by the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that gave their message some power. The lesson to be learned from that is that you don't need to be a great public speaker for God to use you and for your words to make a significant impact in the lives of others. He will supplement you spiritually and you'll be able to do more than you ever dreamed possible. So we as Christians are going to stand out because of the spiritual power of our words. We're also going to stand out because we've been supplemented in our understanding. Like these guys weren't just saying something, but they actually knew what they were talking about. They had a clear understanding of God's Word, and therefore their teaching had an impact on people's lives. And have you ever been around somebody who just loved to hear themselves talk, and after listening to them for a while, you knew that they didn't really know what they were talking about. And then you see this other person over here. You've heard them speak a little bit. And what you've heard them say, it's really amazing. You can sense wisdom. But they're shy, and they don't really want to speak up. In either case, good communication isn't happening because there isn't a clear understanding. We have to be supplemented in our understanding in order to understand the meaningful message that we are going to share this Christmas. So this Christmas is going to stand out at this church for us doing something different. We're going to do more than just say the generic happy holidays. And the messages that we get this time of year, aren't they drained to significance? Our schools, they're not allowed to call it the Christmas concert anymore. It's just a holiday concert. And the break is now no longer Christmas holidays, but it's referred to as a winter break. And in schools, in many stores, teachers and employees, they're forbidden to actually say Merry Christmas to somebody. Instead, it's that relatively meaningless Happy Holidays or Seasons Greetings. And I've been getting that over and over again just this week. If somebody falls trying to raise money for the old-timers charity, and I said, I just can't help this year because our church has a special mission. We're going to actually provide safe drinking water for families in the developing world. And then he goes, oh, well, well season's greetings. And then I had to push it a little further. I said, what season? It's Christmas. Say Merry Christmas. So I don't know how much I frustrated that guy, but he got my message across anyway. But it, it just happens. Everybody you come in contact with. But we're going to be different this year. We're going to change that. Because if you remove Christ from Christmas, then you've drained all meaning and all significance from it. When you remove Christ from Christmas, you remove the importance of it. So what we end up with is a, actually a hollow holiday. It's not a happy holiday, but it's hollow. So as the church, we've been supplemented in our speaking and in our understanding. 
And we're going to put Christ back in Christmas. We're going to put meaning back into the message. We're going to put happiness, true happiness, back into the holidays. So our church, Halifax Christian Church, is going to make that difference. We have a special opportunity to stand out as that church, like other churches will be talking about. You know, that church raised $25,000 last Christmas. They're not a really big congregation, but they raised that amount of money to give fresh drinking water in the name of Jesus Christ. So we have that opportunity, and we as Christians will stand out from the crowd because we are sanctified, we've been called by God to be different, because we've been supplemented, but also because He sustains us. Those last three verses in chapter 1. You are not missing out on any blessings as you wait for Him to return. And until the day Christ does return, He will keep you completely innocent. God can be trusted. And He chose you to be partners with His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So here God is promising that He will keep us completely innocent until the return of Jesus Christ. In the English Standard Version, it says He will sustain you until the end. So that highlights the staying power of the Church of God. That this is no fly-by-night organization. This has been around almost 2,000 years, and the Church isn't going anywhere. And organizations come and go. Like causes will rise and fall with popularity. But the Church remains constant throughout all of that. And the reason it does is because it's the Church of God. The people can ignore it and it won't go away. We can persecute it and it won't back down. Execute it and it won't die. And the reason is because the Church is sustained by the almighty hand of the living God. So Paul reveals two keys to the secret of the staying power of the Church. We're sustained through our giftedness. In verse 7 it said, we do not lack any spiritual gift. Again, remember, he's saying this to the whole church. He's not talking to any one individual Christian. And actually, there's no promise in Scripture that even says one particular congregation or church is going to have all the gifts. But he is saying that he will give you everything that you need. And there's a big difference between saying, I have everything, and I have everything I need. But that's one secret to the staying power of the church. God provides us with everything that we need to succeed. No other organization on earth has the luxury of being backed by an omnipotent being who refuses to allow it to fail. The church of God stands apart from everyone else because God sustains us through our giftedness. And God has gifted us to be able to give to others in a much more meaningful way this Christmas season. And we're also sustained because we're guiltless. And we're not guiltless because we live good lives. We're not guiltless because of any purity in our lives. We're only guiltless because of our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the one and only reason we've been cleansed by Christ. And we can make it through this life now. And we can stand before Jesus and on that day of judgment. And we can do it with complete confidence because the one who's standing there in judgment is the same one who actually came and gave his life for us. 
So that's the hope that sustains us through the difficult days that we know we're going to face in this world. We face them already, and they're still going to come in the future. But know this, the same Jesus who died for us and became our sinless sacrifice is the one who made us guiltless, is the one who has assured us of a home in heaven with Him. That's the hope that sustains us. So will you as an individual, will we as a congregation make more of an imprint upon our culture this Christmas season than a cardboard cutout of a bell ringer? And just because we've been sanctified, just because we've been supplemented, just because we've been sustained, doesn't mean that we as individuals and we as a church will look any different than the people that are in this world. We don't want to drift away. We don't want to become like cardboard Christians. There's something there's actually precedent for that. Frederick William Denson was the rector at Warlegan Chapel in Cornwall, England. And this was between the years of 1931 and 1953. And when no one came to church, he would just lock the doors and would go to the Methodist chapel to worship. And then, after years of non-attendance by his parishioners, and I never could understand how he still had a job for 22 years and people weren't coming to church. Maybe they were sending in their tithing and maybe he was still surviving. But anyway, after years of non-attendance by his parishioners, he cut out figures of wood and cardboard and he attached them to the pews. And then every Sunday morning, these figures were preached to, they were offered the Lord's Supper, and they were offered absolution for their sins. Like, we need to be careful that we don't become a church full of cardboard Christians with animatronic arms and pre-recorded messages that do nothing more than just go through the motions of churchianity. Yes, there are some things in motion. The bells are ringing, the messages are polished, but it could just be on autopilot. It could just be reflex action. It could be force of habit. 1 John 1.9 again. But if we confess our sins to God, He can always be trusted to forgive us and take our sins away. Isn't that an amazing promise? And therefore, if we remain faithful to our God, who is faithful to make us holy or set apart, who's faithful to empower us through His Spirit, who's faithful to sustain us to the end of this life, then we're never going to have to worry about what's going to happen to us as individual Christians. We're never going to have to worry about what's going to happen to us as a church because we are going to stand up and stand out for Christ and we're going to celebrate the reason why He came into this world. But this year we're going to stand up and we're going to stand out in a special, in an amazing way as we focus on Jesus through the gift of giving clean water. Would you stand as we sing our song of commitment? It could be a commitment of our lives to Christ.